Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Um, well, in Buffalo, I, w- I wish it was warmer. It's not warm here either. Guys. Oh, my God. It's, you know, okay. It's breezy and like 27 degrees. You you take for granted when you were younger, and I, I'm sure, Russ, you were like me, like when we were like even before teenagers when we were outside playing street hockey or road hockey, as they would mm-hmm. call it in Canada. And you'd go out there and you're wearing like your – school jacket and you're wearing a pair of jeans and you throw on you know your street hockey pad i was a goalie so you play your street yeah, I, would, I would put that remember when the thermal sweatshirts came out i would yeah. wear one of those yeah and you know double my socks and you know no no granted you were we were active i wasn't yeah. as much because since i was standing there as a goaltender right but you didn't really feel the cold and then like when you got home like you saw that your you know your hands and your legs were all red if i was out there for one tenth of the length of time i i I was out there when i was 12 or 13 i'd be a dead man i i I go outside in the breeze and it hits my hands and i feel like i'm ready to my hands is the worst thing i can deal with anything else uh if my hands are cold i can't do anything sports wise writing wise so i always protect the hands that's why i've got those texting gloves and everything else for when i do like the outdoor games and they did just put out credentials for the lake tahoe game man i'm really thinking about it but i won't do oh wow that would be amazing but anyhow um so first thing of the pre-show is this came in and on the back it's got 23 mahomes yes which which for people who don't know i'll tell them okay no you can tell them i mean pat patrick mahomes father pat Pitched for the Mets for Minnesota and I think a couple other teams. Right? Yeah, Mets. It was like ninety nine and two thousand, and like they just showed a picture of, of Pat Mahomes the other day in center field, shagging flies with Mike Hampton of all people. <laughs> and so, yeah, he, he didn't like you know, the war when in his first year he wore a Mahomes game used jersey, and so I always followed the guy because of that. And this year, I'm rooting for the Chiefs, so I figured, all right. This is a way of satisfying two things, but but here's the pre-show pre-show. So let's talk about the Royal Rumble or just the Battle Royal in general for wrestling because I always found them to be fun. And the good thing about the Battle Royal, I think over the years of WWE with the numbering of it and everything <clears throat> has done the, the Royal Rumble a disservice. But um, if you're the first guy in and you're in there for a good 20 minutes, it's a lot. It's a lot to watch. And I always thought of it as like a three ring circus. Back in the day, you'd have guys like Andre the Giant, who was nearly impossible to get out. Even if you, even if it was fixed, it was hard to get the guys to get him out of the ring anyhow, because of the amount he weighed. Guys like Ken Patera, if you go way back, Haystacks Calhoun was the fattest guy probably, other than Mark Henry that I've ever seen in wrestling, the heaviest. Uh, it's always fun. There's always things that go on. There's always controversy. I, I do yeah. like it. I do, I do love the fact. Like, uh, I'm not sure if you saw the documentary on Andre the Giant. I did. Okay. Um, they referred to a certain 
point, I think he had to go for like some sort of stomach surgery because he was drinking so much or something, something like that. And you don't realize like the backstory. Okay, that was what was going on in real life. They had to, he had to have some sort of surgery, right. so they had to make an excuse for him to not be on wrestling every week. So that was when, if you remember, Killer Khan. Yeah. Was the, and Yokozuna probably was the biggest. They're right. right. Killer Khan dropped off the top rope and supposedly broke Andre the Giant's leg. And then he was yeah. gone for a couple months. And in actuality, he was having the surgery. Right. So they, they had to they had to come up with an excuse. Which was always, which I, I, I loved finding that out after the fact. You, have to, you can't, you know, you're living in this dream world that, oh, this is real. When you're a kid, you think it's real. Of course, it's not real. And yeah. you finally realized it later, later on. Well, let's see. What's his name? Haystacks Calhoun came in at 640. That's pretty good. Yes. Um, I don't know where the hell they got the friggin' overalls, but they must have been like from the, direct from Levi's and it had to be like two of them stitched together. Yeah, Yoko, yeah, exactly. Yokozuna was 804, so he did have him um, because he was a sumo wrestler before. What about, what about Kamala? Kamala wasn't even close. He wasn't yeah. even at 640. Kamala, I interviewed Kamala once and he was in character for a minute and then he broke character. He passed recently, but he yeah, was a fun guy. You have to you have to say though, okay. Looking back on that stuff, how offensive it was. I, mean, I think it's funny, but I understand some. Okay, Kamala was supposedly from Africa, and he, and he would slap his stomach. Yes, you know, yeah. King Kong Bundy, George. Yeah, Bundy got thin though. When Bundy would, I would see him in the neighborhood. He was lucky if he was four hundred pounds anymore. He thinned out for him. So I would I, the Bundy I saw still loved to eat, but he was nowhere near that weight. I, I have to bring this up because it, it, you went absolutely bonkers at the King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, this, is great. this is the highlight of my year, I think. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm curious to see it because I saw the I saw the King Kong movie. I think it was Skull Island with. Uh, yes. Brie Larson and Hiddleston and Samuel Jackson thought it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, I saw the Godzilla movie with Ken Watanabe and not great. Not great. So that was the Sony one, right? Yeah, I think I yeah. think so. So not now great. they're combined because I they're like this has got a cast. It's got, it's got like Alexander Skarsgård and Re uh, Rebecca Hall, who's you know, yeah. believe me. Um, uh, so I mean, this is not like okay, they're. They spent some money on this. But just think about it. For the late 60s, 70s, with the stop motion that they used to have, and I would buy like the Monster Times Claymation. and read about them, compared to when you see Godzilla now climbing up out of the water onto the land, like it's just unbelievable. When you see King Kong give a right-hand cross <laughs> to Godzilla and knocked him out, I got out of my seat, man. That's like, that was like Frazier. No, was no, like, that was like Buster Douglas. That was like Buster Douglas on Tyson. No, it was like Frazier Ali because no one had ever knocked down Ali. That's what that was like for me. So this is going to be big. I, 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 just see, I could just see Rush, Russ in the theater going, oh, go ahead, get him, King Kong. Yeah, I hate Godzilla. I mean, <laughs> I want King Kong to beat Godzilla to death. Um, Somebody else brought up a couple names in the chat. Big John Stud. Yeah, Big John Stud was big, but he was probably like four fifty, maybe four hundred. Yeah, Ke Kevin Nash wasn't that big. He was no, he, no, he, he was just. You know, he was just tall. He was, tall. but he wasn't as tall as they said he was. None of these guys ever are. 
you know, Kevin Nash, I think they said he was seven feet. He's not Ooh, seven feet. I can't remember his name, but uh remember Thunderlips when they put Hulk Hogan as oh, I think seven feet and Rob. Yeah, they hit him at 325 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was I can't, I can't remember the name of the wrestler, and somebody in the chat probably knows it. Um uh he's a, a monstrously tall, looks like Frankenstein, and he was uh he was in the uh Steve Carell um Anne Hathaway movie, the remake of the Don Adams. Oh God! And Get Smart. He was in Get Smart. He was the. He was the. Uh, was Kane yeah. on that? No, it wasn't Kane. Somebody will know. I, but, I saw Get Smart, and I can't remember now. Yeah, no. He he was the he was the guy that was fighting them on the rooftop, and then all yeah, of a sudden, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. El Gigante? No, it's not. It's not El Gigante. No, it wasn't El Gigante. Somebody will get it in the chat. But anyway, yeah. so all right, let's start the show. Uh, we'll right. be joined by Anthony Mangione in a few minutes. The McGuire twins, if they were 770 each, show me a picture. I've never heard of these guys. Yeah, no, neither have I. Uh, Hello Hockey World. Today is Friday, January 29th, 2021. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. And I think Arthur Franco in the chat has it. I think it's the Great Kali. I'm oh, the Kali. Oh, Great Kali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Great Kali, yes. Um and Big Show weighs. Big Show. I'd say Big Show probably weighs about – He had surgery, too. He had stomach surgery? Uh, no, he had the um, surgery to get rid of the gigantism so he could live uh, longer. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, he was 440. That's nothing. Come on, man. <laughs> Dropping the Why are you wasting bucket? my time with that? Dropping the bucket. Okay. All right. Let's let's start let's start with some of the uh, the games we and remember, but one last thing. The Haystacks Calhoun 540 was a real unhealthy 540. He probably was eating Crisco oh. stuff. Oh my god. He was just he was just he was just grotesquely immense. Bruno lifted him up once and he probably broke Something in his neck by doing it, but he did. He lifted him up. Well, okay. See, this is what I mean. Back then, it doesn't – like, remember when Hulk slammed Andre. Andre jumped up. And I'm sure Haystacks Calhoun jumped up so Bruno, Bruno San Martino – But don't tell me it doesn't take strength even oh, to of do course. that. I'm, I'm, Jesus, of course it does. But he helped him. He but he helped him big time. Um, okay, so let's start with the. We had 14 games last night. We're not going to cover all of them, but just uh, the, uh, some of them that were uh, pretty interesting. Um, start with the Rangers and, and the Sabers. Yeah. Um, Rangers win three to two in overtime on a Alexi, Alexi Lafreniere goal, his first goal in the NHL. And I didn't realize until he had scored it, it was his first goal, and his reaction was. Oh, I, I knew. And, yeah, his reaction. Here, it was off his shoulders. Yes. Here's the funny thing. There's one thing to be a, a, a rookie in the NHL and play, you know, Columbus, Florida, one of those markets. When you're a rookie in New York, there is a lot of pressure. There always has been a lot of pressure. And you could see it. That, that release from him when he scored that goal was massive. But good job by David Quinn to have him out there in overtime so there's a little extra space. And when they got the puck on his stick, he buried it right away. Like, that's the way Lafreniere does it. And that was great for him. And Panarin hugging him was great. He, he, it was a great moment. He fooled Rick Jenneret on the, on the, he did. Because Jenneret was, hey, hey, Anthony. Hey, uh, 
Generet on the on the goal thought it went off the post because it went off. It came out so quickly. It must have yeah. been the middle bar or the camera in the back of the net. It came out really quickly. But then Lafreniere, you know, it was Lafreniere was like uh, was like uh, Patrick Kane in in 2010 because he, <laughs> he waited for Anthony for that. Like <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying the react. He no, was, you could have come up with. A million did he, did he, did scenarios. He, did Jenneret have a bird? Because every time a goal is scored, it sounds like he's passing something out of his body. <laughs> no, no, he he. I, no, no, he he genuinely didn't recognize that the puck went in because it right. came so quickly. But but Anthony is what we're talking about is that was that was Lafreniere's first. Uh, and I'm butchering his name. I'm sorry. I'm just going Lafreniere. Lafreniere. Um, it was his first NHL goal, and I believe in his seventh game or eighth game. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Russ is right. The pressure on a number one overall pick in the big media market, even though they're not the big story, even though it's the Super Bowl and the Knicks and the Nets and everything else, you know, the pressure is it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of pressure being in the, again, the largest media market and, you know, in the league and in the, in, in, in the, in the continent, you know, basically in the world, we could potentially say in this case, if we're not counting for like London or something like that. Sure. Um, yeah, it's tough. And again, the, the spotlights is, is going to be on him, but at the same time, you kind of, you know, with Luff, you have to be patient. You know, yeah. this is, this is, he's had, a, he, he had a tremendous, obviously junior career. But this is a massive step up in year one. Even the even like even even at Sidney Crosby's first year in Pittsburgh, uh, there he had his moments of, of struggles as he tried to trans as he was trying to transition. Oh, to Darian Hatcher was trying to take his head off and blood yeah, it too. Off. You know, yeah, Darian, Darian was insistent on, on on making sure that he wanted to be Sid's, um, you know, welcome to the NHL moment. And he did get a goal against the Flyers. The thing so. is, I think after that, Sid pretty much had it in his head that every time he was going to play the Philadelphia Flyers, he was going to do as much damage as yes. possible. And he's pretty much lived up to that yes. throughout his career. So, <laughs> you know, we can thank Dar we can thank uh, Darian for that. Yeah. So, but again, in my in my circle, again, I, I I would preach patience. I think I, I found, uh, you know, I thought Mike Harrington's comment yesterday was a bit much. I'm well, okay. we, have, we have to put that in context. He okay, of course it didn't age well because Lafreniere scored the game-winning goal. But at the he, but he, he makes such a sweeping generalization right. about him. That but we know what the generalization such, had to such, do. It. it was such hot. It was so hot taking. The generalization and, again, and, I, and, and there's things at times I agree with, but I think Harrington's a, a lot of times on the money. But it was so yeah. hot taking. It was just to me. I just kind of shook my head and said, you know, no, what, but you. I'm glad he got egg on his face on that. That was for the really base that are like, see, we didn't need to draft first overall because this guy's not any good. That's yeah, what that exactly. was for. Yeah, exactly. It was, well, Mike I, knows that. And Mike knows that. I have to say that, yeah, Mike Harrington is probably one of the most vociferous anti tankers. That, yeah. he, that he thought that the organization going the direction that but they you did. don't go after the player. You, right. go, you want to go after right. the you want to go after the organization. That's one thing. You know, the player is the player. He's earned this spot, and to take the and, and to be taking cracks at the player in my mind was out was was off base and out of line. Now, Russ, just on the Sabers page, uh, Sam yeah. Reinhart uh, wasn't practicing today, so they might have a minor upper body. He, I think he hit the net when he scored that goal. Yeah. He hit the um, like but, literally with his body. But look, talking about the Sabers, I mean, they're getting a really good performance out of Taylor Hall. Yeah. Um, but 
I really think that if they think that they have a chance to make the playoffs, they have to abandon this 1A, 1B thing in goal and go with Allmark because I so I, I'm sorry – Carter Hutton just doesn't do it. And all Mark yesterday, he made a unless he's playing the unless he's playing the Philadelphia Flyers, then it's a different story. <laughs> all, all, all Mark made made a save in the third period that kept the game. They earned them a point. He made a fantastic yeah. save going post to post. I just think he's a better goaltender. He is a better goalie, uh, and you could see. Look, I know Ranger fans don't want to hear this. The Rangers are not that much better than the Sabers, and yeah. that game proved it. Like they. They this may is a have definite transition season for the Rangers. It just yes. feels that way that you know they had a nice, you know, they had a good jump to get into the postseason, but you know, and and, and we all got, I think, very you know excited about seeing potentially what you know some of that talent. But again, there's that's a team that really has to kind of coalesce a lot more. There's a lot to yeah. me. The Rangers have a lot of very interesting parts, some really talented parts. Yep. That I think with the right hands molding them can be something but i thought again some of the offseason moves scratch that had me scratching my head certainly the, oh, jack yeah. John, the jack johnson signing to me was just like okay <laughs> and d'angelo is not on track d'angelo is completely off track and he's d'angelo just strikes me as a, as a guy who's completely just not focused and again I'm, i i don't want to speak but again he just seems like he's completely unfocused yeah last year was like and he Everything to, I thought he could be, and this year is the opposite. He, he needs to, honestly, in my opinion, he needs to shut down on the socials and focus yeah. on and focus on yeah. his career because at the rate he's going, he's going to get buried really quick. And I think it's something that's young. He's, he's he's immature in that respect, and that he has things to learn. He has yeah. talent. We all saw that he had talent. Yeah. But again, you got to get yourself focused on what's the thing that's most important to you, and your and that has to be sure. playing hockey and stop necessarily engaging in. In social media arguments. Well, Russ, the, the only thing I can think of that justifies the, the signing of Johnson is that they, you know, is that uh, Gorton looked at his defense and saw, you know, Lindgren, Fox, Miller, D'Angelo, all with less than two to three. You know, well, the other ones all had a year of experience. D'Angelo has a couple or three years of experience. And he thought, okay, uh, I'll bring in a veteran guy who I can plug in on the bottom pairing. But he paid him $1.15 million. This is a guy you bring in on a, on a, on a tryout contract and sign him for $700,000. Okay, but again, they paid him $1.15 because he does need the money. And this was someone that Jacques Martin wanted to bring in. So they're doing something nice for the guy. That's fine. I don't even care what they paid him. I just care that they they actually got him because he's not an NHLer anymore. Right. He's just not. And Tarmo Reunin is a guy who played in Liga for the last three or four years. He comes over. They don't even give him a look. And it's like, you know what? This guy was pretty good the start of the year this year. He, he came out of the gate hot. And this guy plays two-way hockey. But, again, he doesn't have a name. And they were going for – Maybe the toughness angle with Johnson because they can't be going for anything else at this point. His game is so far off of that, and 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 they and Anthony's right with the yes they have younger guys and some of them have regressed a little like Lindgren and look Keandre Miller looks great all of a sudden after the first couple of games he's been trending up but again he's a rookie those things could change too so yeah there are a lot of things in transition there. Anthony, do you have headphones? I do not at the moment. Okay. Uh, and, I'm, and, on, I'm currently on my phone right now. Is that no? Correct? Yeah, no, I know. No, I and 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 Cheshurkin was much better yesterday too, right. and so people can sort of like ease up on that one because they were starting to say, "Well, he's giving up bag." It's like 
look, again, this is his second year in the league. He might be older than the average rookie, but even he, what did he play, 13 games last year? Like, he's still getting used to this league. He's right. technically a rookie. And, so, and he missed and he missed three weeks right before the end of it because he had that car accident. So, right. it's like, you know, he's he's a rookie. Yes. I don't care if he played five years in the KHL. He's a rookie. Right. So, um, we're not even talking about Skinner anymore, Randy. There's no, 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 no. We've, that's it. Oh, well, you lost. Come back. There's um, no point in talking about Skinner. It's, it's for, it's firmly established. And like I said, I think that right now, Jeff Skinner is going to end up being exposed in the expansion draft. I, the, I don't know whether Seattle would take him, uh, whether the Sabres would have to, uh, would have to give them a first round pick to take him. But I get the feeling that, Jeff Skinner is the type of, you know, Jeff Skinner is trying, but he's playing on the fourth line with Riley Sheehan right. and, uh, and Curtis Lazar. And it's a waste because the guy is a, the guy is a 25 to 30 goal scorer and you're paying him the second highest salary on the team, but next to Jack Eichel. And if they want to sign Taylor Hall, which if Ralph Kruger comes is back next year, I will tell you right now, uh, he, he will want to sign Taylor Hall to an extension and who knows whether Hall would re-sign with Buffalo or not. But I think if they paid him the money, he would. Yeah, he's playing uh, right there, and they would have to give up a first-round pick to get Seattle to take them in the expansion draft. To take Skinner. To take Skinner. To take. Him I, I do think that would. I, I agree. I do. Think that's that, disastrous. That does, for them. does seem to be the plan. I think it, 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 it. At least based off of how Kruger's deploying him. But just think about the optics of that. So when that happens, he goes there. He plays top line, top power play. He's back to sixty points a year, and you gave him a first-round pick too. I see. The thing is, I, I I don't care. I don't care if it's the former general manager. I don't care if it was before the current coach was there. It is organizationally, it is incompetent. Do you okay? Should you have paid Skinner nine million? No, but you had to because that was the only way you were going to get the only guy who had scored with Jack Eichel to stay in Buffalo. That's you know that, that's managerial incompetence. You know and Pittsburgh should think about you look at that when Jason Bottrell was being considered for their general manager job. But that was not that was not just his decision. That was ownership's decision because it was damage control because they thought nobody would stay in Buffalo. Right, and that, and that's why Bottrell's not on my list for Pittsburgh. It's it's Gillis. Even with the leak, that's fine. And Hextall. Those are the two guys. I, I want Hextall. I, I, I so want Hextall in the worst way there. It's, it would be the greatest theater It's just, it's just, it's just so – I mean, it, I know, I know there are going to be Flyer fans who be like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Like, number one, listen, he's already been in interview, enough interviews already. Yeah. I want to see what Rob they Boston are, They are in an exact position right now where they need someone who is going to basically take that thing and kind of – it has to be just bull- – it has to be – No, no, but don't – Don't – don't you want to see what Rob Rossi would write about Hextall? It'd be great. No, exactly. Just from the pure entertainment purpose of everything, yes. I think it would be fantastic. And again, I, I think Ron is. I think there's things that Ron had to learn um, as a yeah. general manager. He was outstanding. I think obviously we know Philadelphia has, has benefited from. Oh, you can uh, see from, after lineup from the re, from the restructure of how much you know for a team yeah. that. You know, for years didn't have their own homegrown defensemen. Now you've got multiple homegrown defensemen who are playing big roles for them. Mike, are you dipping some skull there? What are you doing? No. Oh, okay. I thought you were putting some skull in there. No, no, no. I was always, I was always a. Uh, the, the, what, was the, what was the other? What was the other one? Um, Random poll there, Russell. Random poll. <laughs> no, no, because trust me, he was doing, he was doing something. <laughs> 
<laughs> Mike's going to do a little bit of chaw here. Don't let me give him a few minutes. I can't remember. There was, there was Skull, and then there was another. There was another brand that yeah. not Red, not Red Man. No, it was, it was, it was the same. It was the same thing. And I, all the guys I used to work with did that. We sidetracked. Thank you, Russell. Yeah, yeah, please. Okay, well, let's, let's move. Let's move on to the uh, the Flyers and the and the Devils. Oh um, yeah. The uh, mm. We talked yesterday briefly about Carter Hart's struggles on the road. And even though, you know, I mean, New Jersey's New Jersey. I don't expect them to be a really good team uh, throughout the year. You know, the, the, it, it was a road game. He had, Carter Hart made 33 saves in a 3-1 victory. I, I, honestly, this, this this Carter Hart on the road thing to me is – is, he is, is still a little different, Ant. He is. Uh, you he was have on to the road for the entire for, during the no, bubble. no, but that was in a bubble. It really oh, come on, it's still the same. He's not playing in a home arena. But you're showing up to the same rink every day. I will argue this one. It is different. Oh, my God, he is more confident. And, than Philly. But that and was we have a, and we have a very small sample size at the moment for the current season. So let's give it a little bit more here. I That's know. Fine. And again, you're going to Boston. And they got lit up like a Christmas tree as a team. Let's face it. They've had two games here. And Philadelphia has not played well in front of him. Now, are there goals that no, are, that's on, totally are, true. are yes, goals on him that are on him? Absolutely. Uh, and I would say that goal that last night by, oh, by that Severson's goal was a combination of both him and, you know, Eric Gustafson giveth Eric Gustafson taketh away yeah. a line. Yeah. The, 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 it's, a bit of, it's a bit of everything involved. The process in front of him is not particularly good, despite the fact that Philly's five, two, and one. I think we would all be in agree watching Philadelphia that their team defense remains a hot mess. Yeah, and they have even to get with the, together. Even with the miracle goal by Nate Prosser, <laughs> it was yeah, and a, and a wonderful moment for Prosser. Don't get yeah. me wrong; it was it was a great, it was a stunner. Like thir- what thirty? Not what? What oh, just okay. happened? Okay. That was and even, I mean we saw it in post game press conference with uh, with Elaine. He was like, yeah. "Yeah, Prosser doesn't normally, you know, you didn't expect that, but you know, give give him credit for the moment that he had." Uh, but again, getting back to Hart, um, let's face it: as bad as I thought Philly was, as loose as loosey goosey as possible in those first two periods, and he played locked. And I thought he played very, with the exception of that one goal. Yeah, he was good. There was only one or two shaky moments. But now he's got, again, he's got games coming up here. And again, I think as we get closer to the 15, 20 game mark, am I going to be then at that point? If his road record and numbers are looking that way, then I will start to prescribe a little back up to that. But it is a new season. So I'm going to hold off on that particular thing right now. Yeah. And Giroux certainly got his game back yesterday. And that, he did. But I will say the Flyers' top two lines as a whole, he battled, but I thought the Flyers' top two lines as a whole were not good in this game at all. Kevin Hayes, I want to put an APB out on for the last few games. Seems like he's ready to, um, he must be. He was conserving himself potentially for the Islanders games this week. Uh, this weekend coming up, but that was my. You know, watching Hayes, it's just like, where is he? He's yeah. out on shifts, but I'm not seeing much from him. Um, Faraby, after having a, a ridiculously good start in, in the first game of the season with four points, he's been down on fourth line. Come back up the. He's second been up line. and down. He struggled. Konechny has struggled uh, of late. It's just again the last couple of games. I'll tell you two stunning things. I'll give you two stunning things for me. The first one was, I do have to say it now, P.K. Subban is done. He was falling down on his skates at times. He had three awful penalties. Like, you would think after the first one he wouldn't take another one, but he can't catch up to anybody. Yeah, it's a combination of watching. I mean, the speed is 
doesn't seem to be there anymore. Now, the question is whether or not it's injury or if this is just mindset and where he's at. I think this is just where he's at right now. And I do. And that's and that is a rough thing for New Jersey because, again, bringing him in as a public as, as a top defenseman, public face of the team, all that that comes with it. It's been a real rough ride there so far. And, and the other one, needs, and he always, I've always said he needs a good, solid defensive partner with him, someone who can, you know, cover for his offensive zone forays at, at level. You, you know, what makes it so obvious is that New Jersey is a speed team, and you see guys like Ty Smith, the young defenseman, and then you see Subban in comparison, and you're like, wow, that is a huge drop off. The other one is Justin Braun is getting gassed so early in these games. I don't know what's going on with him, but mm-hmm. late in periods, he's not looking good. And so that's something – he's playing pretty good defense. Don't get me wrong. But he gets gassed now towards the end of periods, which is an issue. And he has been – again, the thing is we've, we've seen in the offseason, you know, him doing a lot of, you know, weight training and things of that sort. Obviously very much public out there, you know, working out with The Rock and everything else. Yeah. But – Again, I would ask and say, okay, if we're worried about the weightlifting and everything at this point, we know your game is predominantly speed, your escapability, your ability to, you know, get the puck up quickly up the ice. He just, to me, I, and again, I'm not trying to evaluate his training methods or anything, but he seems like he's almost carrying too much. Yes, that's, that's my feeling. Bulked up a little bit too much. Yes, and you have to have more lean. I feel like you know maybe more lean muscle is yeah. needed in the way his game plays, or else. He becomes ineffective. Yeah. Yeah. And just, to, you know, Subban has a year left on his contract at $9 million. You're not going to get any, based on the way he's playing right now, right now you're not going to get anyone, even at a 50% hit, you're not going to get anybody no. to take, take him take him on. I If he continues to play like this, he doesn't turn it around. You know, New Jersey is not a team that is going to be up against the cap, so they may actually want to keep them to to get a, let them get to the cap floor. But they might buy him out at the end of this year. They I mean, really might. And this look, Subban. Someone says he looks lean. He does, but he doesn't have the legs. His legs are bad. Yeah, There's and he was always, there again. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm again not looking at him closely, but watching him playing in the last couple of games, he just seemed like he was playing with not a lot of speed. Even his offensive game has fallen off. Like. When they show him uh, trying to set up plays and such, he's not a threat. No. Uh, uh, so moving on here, uh, the Bruins beat the Pittsburgh Penguins four to one. Patrice Bergeron with a pair of goals. Easy um, game. Yeah, well, that was just, I was going to say uh, Yaroslav Halak uh, subbed in for an injured Tuka Rask. Doesn't sound like it's a s- serious injury, but you know anything with an older goaltender, you have to. You know, you have to be careful about that. And, you know, with their, the, the compacted schedule, having only one goalie available is uh, something worrisome for the Bruins. The thing I, I look at this one, Russ, is that uh, yeah, uh, Jerry only uh, makes 16 saves on the night. It's you know, a combination. Look, I think Tristan Jerry can play goal. So uh, I do think he has a chance of being a 1A, but he's got a D defense in front of him. And so it's hard to really tell, again, unless you're an amazing goalie. Like, I was watching a little of the Ottawa game, right? Matt Murray's doing all the right stuff. But there is nobody playing a stitch of defense in front of him, and it's shot after shot after shot after shot. And it's like, what can you do? 
Well, okay. I want to I want to tra transition transition to that because sure, because let's do that. You you brought that up, and I heard some criticism of Matt Murray. I, I saw some on Twitter. Okay, I think his same percentage right now, Anthony, is like eight fifty or eight sixty five. Yeah. In front of that defense, what the hell do you I, again? When I get into save percentages like that, I don't. I, again, I, I really begin to look at the team in front, yes. and that's why save percentages is, is can be very questionable when it comes to trying taking a look at a goaltender's overall performance, even more so than your your wins and your goals against average. Uh, you would think it's the most controllable stat, but it really isn't in a lot of circumstances. When you have a defense that, if you're down that that far, that bad. That's that's indicative of to, of to me of a team that just doesn't play defense in front of them. Yeah, he was. I mean, and he he's still. And the thing is, I think if he was on a different team, you know, again, as he's trying to rebuild himself after the last year or so in Pittsburgh, you know, you, you I think maybe the little bit. But again, those better teams already have their goaltending situation sewn up. So he, you know, you yeah. take the opportunity, you take the place where you can get to, and obviously it was a trade. And he's going to, you know, understand and have to deal with that. But, yeah, you would hope the Senators would be a little tighter in front of him. And I think it almost seems like, well, he's Matt Murray. There's almost a psychology of, well, he's Matt Murray. He's got experience. He'll be able to stop Yeah, him. I know. It's, and it's, it's like you can't cover for every – then you didn't do your homework. Yeah, you know? he's, got, he's, he's got experience playing in front of a, a defense that won a Stanley Cup. Right. And, and honestly, I saw him make some great saves for the 10, 15 minutes. But I just saw that any time – he made a save and they got the puck. Uh, Ottawa cannot hold the puck in their offensive zone for more than like 12 seconds, 15 seconds, and it's going the other way. And eventually a goalie gets tired. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. You know, we could say John Gibson's team isn't very good, but that defense is 100 times better than what Ottawa has. Ottawa's got literally nobody who actually plays defense. They've got a lot of great puck movers. You know, you got guys like Shabbat. You've got guys – they had nobody playing hard defense. Nobody. And there's been some criticism of how Shabbat's playing right now. But, you know, this, this is the thing. The the Ottawa Senators were the five-hour energy drink for the Vancouver Canucks. They were in a big in big trouble after yeah. Montreal came in there and swept three. And what happens? Uh, Vancouver sweeps three. Four, four on them. I mean, every time Quinn got the puck, he went straight up the ice. He didn't even have to think about it. There, he wasn't even contested that time. Yeah. So okay, um, Quinn Hughes. That is, I said Quinn. Right, Quinn Hughes. Um, this game I watched a little bit of, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing because you know the vaunted New York Islanders defensive concept. They're up three nothing in the first period on the Capitals, and I don't know if they sat back or they got comfortable or whatever. But the Capitals scored the next six and win six to three. And I'm like, that's the thing. Like that. That's not very. That's very unusual for a Barry Trotz team. Once you're up, you usually, you know, put things away. But this is a, it, it, again at the same time. I think we all it, it's where things are currently at right now. Yeah, it's different it's, times. It's different. It's weird. Again, no no set training camp. You guys are coming back in some new parts in there mm -hmm. as well for the Islanders. Mostly again, mostly a mo mo majority of the roster back, but still. It's still it, it, it's a weird spot, and I'm gonna probably end up giving Trots and company the benefit of the doubt that we are just in a weird state right now, <laughs> in this circumstance. And that if it if it continues, then obviously it's something that'll occur. But in the but again, we also we all we often forget the Islanders went through lots of struggles, especially right before we got to you know the COVID shutdown, um, and then they came back and really played extremely well in bubble hockey. 
It doesn't yeah, cover I, the fact that they're not. They, 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 it doesn't cover up the fact that they are still, in some ways, a work in progress. There's a lot of talent, a lot of, lot of good ability, excellent defensive mindset, but they still can have their moments of, uh, of where they struggle. Yeah, the two things I take out of, and I didn't watch this game, but just out of the Capitals this year, one is Eck was completely wrong about them. They are not anything he thought was like the team down. And B, like Anthony and I had said, when Labriolette goes to a team that has offensive players, they generally come through for him. And right now, I got to tell you, he's the early vote for Coach of the Year. It's not even close. Yeah, and again, Vitek Vanacek. Yeah, you know they have and no Ovechkin. But this is also again, this is this is this is reminding me of Lobby in Philly, where he had where his goaltending situation was like you're not sure about it yet yep. somehow because of the offensive talent and and honestly also the I think their their defense is playing pretty solidly to begin the season. Chara I think has had a very Chara has been really Chara has been a, has had a good effect on that. He scored a goal. Um, he's still going yeah. to assist. And I said that he's still. I I kept saying to people, I'm like, it's not like he's not. I, he is still a number three, number four defenseman on a really I, good team. I still don't get why the Bruins really pissed him off, man. That's the impression. Oh, no, but okay, the, they did. They the pissed Bruins, him off. How, okay, how insulting! First of all, he's a Hall of Famer. He's not over the hill. He, you know, he. Okay, do, they you, wanted to move on, Michael. They wanted to to transition and move on and bring. Uh, his, and if they wanted to move on. From his personality and aura, and what they didn't realize is they need those other things he still can bring to the rink, but they wanted to push the other stuff aside so they could sort of recreate the Bruins. And I know sometimes you have to make hard calls as an organization. You do, especially for beloved players, and it's potential that in the long term, you know, Boston's per, you know begins to benefit with regards to some of their other players taking on those. I mean, Boston better hope they don't match up against uh, Washington in the playoffs, man. <laughs> so it'll be a fa- hey, listen. It'll be a, it'll be a, it'll be a, it'll be a fan. It'll be a great series. I mean, it would six be or seven, six or seven gamer for sure. Funky, and you, and you want that? Yeah, Funky's joking a little bit here, but uh, I mean, in watching a couple, he's been good. He's Same been good. About Jake, Jake, yeah, for everybody who's made fun of those picks, yeah. Zaboral's been is right. Zaboral has been has been. But he's not offensive, and they thought he would be an offensive. No, guy. he's not. He's he, you know what? He's like a high, I will tell you here. He's like a higher end version of Robert Haig. Right. I yeah. think a guy who came in with an offensive pedigree when he was drafted. Yeah, he was supposed to be a top pairing. Had to, and he had to adapt, and he yeah. had to adapt his game to this level. Yes. And I like Zaboral. I really do. No, I no, the, the hockey he's playing right now is good. I saw him two years ago, and he still wasn't good. But he's finally good. But yep. he's just not going to be offensive. Now they just have to wait on. They have to wait on Zach Sension to see whether or not they get yeah, all three. I mean, it's never going to look good. That trade too. Like, they they swung and missed there. I mean, the whole situation where they traded, they got those picks. They they made the wrong picks. They did. We can't. You know, it, it, it's funny because us uh, was a good pick. The rest were not good picks. Because uh, uh, Fluto Shinzawa wrote in the Athletic about the drafting of Pasternak, and we were, uh, I think we were all at that at that draft in, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was my first, actually was fourteen, right? Yeah, fourteen. That was, first, that was actually the first draft I ever covered. Was that? Yeah, and mine too. And and the thing was, you know. We look at that draft, and we look at the players that were drafted before him, like Ehlers, like Nick Ritchie, like mm-hmm. Neander, who are all good players. But like with Neander, the inconsistency is is there, and Ehlers, you know, the, there was some question though again pa- about Pasternak in terms yeah, of was a skinny kid playing in the Czech league, and right. but right. I I had him ranked fairly high. I remember I went back and looked because I was curious. 
I went back as far as Kopitar once, and I went back and looked at at Pasternak because with those kinds of guys, you can't always go with the rhetoric. You have to sometimes look at just the flat-out skill. Like even Filipino, right? He's a little up and down right now, but there is something in Filipino shot-wise and otherwise that if that does come through, he is a high-end player, and it's come through obviously massively for Pasternak, and it did for Kopitar too. And, I, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Neander in terms of him being a good player, but Pasternak is hes one of the best forwards in the league. Oh, no, I mean Pasternak. No, he's probably forward. in terms of the way he plays. Yeah. I, I thought, again, in many ways, I, I look for the next guy who could be the potential next Ovechkin, and I thought right. I thought initially maybe line A, and we'll still see. But I, I don't know. Again, there's a certain edge to his game, whereas I think Pasternak yeah. is far closer to having almost not quite the Ovechkin level, but he can play with a bit of that runaway freight train that when he gets going, right, you're in trouble. They took him twenty. It was twenty fifth overall. I know, I know. But the, the article, the article was talking about like Keith Keith Gretzky was deathly afraid that Jim Benning, who had moved over, moved to Vancouver, uh, and he was their head head scout, that he was going to steal. Uh, uh, Pasternak, and instead he took Jared McCann because he liked him. But what what the thing I'm talking about here is they made this brilliant dis- decision, and then the next year they have three first-round picks in a row and probably could have set themselves up for the next decade yep. had they made the right picks, and instead they take Sinitian, Zaboral, and DeBrusque. They overthought it, Mike. It was oh, my God. And DeBrusque is – and listen, again, I think, if you, if you, I think here's the way you look at it is that if you substitute Sinitian for – one of those other four. Matt Barzell. That you mentioned. For Matt Barzell. Matt Bar- you, you take Matt. So then if you look at it, the framing of that changes. Yes. And you've got Barzell, who you can anchor, who will anchor your team. Right. In yeah. transitioning but then you forward. still could take Kyle Connor, which you would You still could take Kyle Connor, but the, the likelihood of them taking <laughs> both Barzell and Connor, I'm not I'm not understanding. Yeah, but they could have no. taken three centers, and they we did. They Shane could. and I made That's the argument. I do think they were always going to take a defenseman amongst those three, and they no, did okay. the Borrell. This is um, this is this is this example is ancient history, but you guys will, will know what I'm talking about here. Um, thanks, Mike. Maybe feel old, but go ahead. No, there you go. In the in the early '80s, Scotty Bowman had three first round picks in consecutive years with the Sabers, all in the top. I think uh, the one year it was five, ten, and eleven, and the other year it was six, nine, and sixteen. He hit on three of them. Three of them should be all Hall of Famers. Housley. Uh, and Andrew Chuck in eighty one, I believe, and or and or eighty two, and then okay, the next I'm year, feeling they, better now. I'm not that old. Yeah, and then and then the next year they took Barrasso number five. But every what everybody in Buffalo looked at is the other three picks. They took Paul Sear, who was a bust. They took Normal Lacombe, who won a cup with the Oilers, but was a bust, and Adam Creighton, who was an okay NHL. So everybody looks at the at the fact that they they didn't hit on the three when they hit on the other three. With with the Bruins, okay, DeBrusque, maybe you consider a hit because he's a good player, but you were in the middle of the first round and you had guys who ended up being stars afterward, and you didn't take. But- that draft got bailed out by Jeremy Lawson and Brandon Carlo. Yes. Yeah, Carlo was the key there because I think at yeah. that point, because again, defense with defense, the replenishing that blue line was extremely critical for Boston that year. And, and there was one other player who I'm not thinking of that was in that draft too that's playing. Maybe yeah, yeah, certainly at this point now, that draft depth wise looks a lot better for Boston in the later yes. rounds. But 
you really could have been setting yourself up to be the apps. I mean, they already still technically are, you know, bellwether team in, in, in the Eastern Conference, but they would have been head and shoulders talent wise above the rest of the conference had they played that just right. Yeah, well, so Ainsley Scott at that draft set us up on Sirius Live with an interview with all three of those guys. And so we were on Bruins TV, me and Shane Malloy were on Bruins TV. And we're interviewing those guys, and now I look at it and like trying to shine that thing up for Boston TV, and it's like let's do our best here. We got to shine this thing up better. And and both Shane and I were against most of the picks, but it just—it's a moment in time. It is an amazing moment in time. Okay, I'll just read this off quickly. They had six picks in the top fifty-two. Okay, Zaboral, DeBrusque, Sinitian, 13, 14, 15. Carlo, 37th overall. Forsbecka Carlson, 45 overall. Lawson, 52. And then after that, uh, uh, Daniel Vladar, who's their third goaltender. Vladar is the other one, actually, because I think he could be a backup in the league. Yeah. So um, moving on, um, I just want to ask, it was a 4-2 victory for the Canadians. Rico Fado. Who's bringing up Rico Fado? What are you talking about? (laughs) Jesus Christ. 4-2 4-2 victory for the Habs over the over the uh, Calgary Flames, who've lost three in a row. But I want to ask this question. I love the way Matthew Kachuk plays. I really do. I think he's, you know, a, I, I, but. I no, 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 no. It's not, it's not, this is not a criticism of him. Just no, let, I'm not saying I'm saying that this is you saying I want him on the lead. No, no, I think would anybody not want Matthew Kachuk on their team except maybe Drew Doughty? Um, no, what I'm he he fought with Ben Sherratt. He's clearly their best player, and this is I'm getting like a whiff of Wendell Clark here. Wendell Clark took like on. I said no, no, no. Like, let me, will you let me finish my premise here, Anthony? Nope. Jesus. He's He's the best player on the team, and he's having to fight the battles every night. And I don't know whether that's beneficial for him in his long term, in his career fighting, fighting. You know, not enforcers because Chirot's not an enforcer; he's just a willing sort of middleweight. But I, I just think Kachuk be better would be better served not served if he was in Toronto. Say it. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what this. Is like. I'll tell you what this. What this. Matthew Kachuk is frustrated. He recently said he hates losing. This is his only outlet to not want to just break and, up the locker room every night. Because and, he's for a team, team. and for a team that we all, I think, we thought made some pretty solid moves this offseason, yeah, he's got to be frustrated as heck. He's right frustrated. Now. And so and that's and his it, outlet. But again, it's still early in the, in the campaign and there's right, time, right. But, it, but not as early as it normally would be. So they, right. and, and again, in that particular situation up in the uh in the in the north division it's going to be tough and they 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 could very well be one of the bigger disappointments this season if things don't turn around quickly i mean look next year is the year if melnick doesn't spend money and not like veterans like mark borieski and guys like that you have to bring in real veterans to sprinkle with these young kids 
or you will not get anywhere. Right. With, with, with Brady, that's the case, that's the case in Ottawa. But the, with Matthew, it's like – Oh, Matthew, know, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But, but, no, but I was trying to cover for you, Russ, but you just blew No, it. it's fine. Um, We're all here to insult you today, Michael. Let's keep going. No, it's <laughs> But with Matthew, the, I mean – Matthew's the same way. When he gets – cro- the, cro- the crossroads is do – they tr- do they move on from Monaghan? Do they move Goudreau? No, Monaghan's playing better this year. I don't think they're going to move on. Yeah. We'll see with Goudreau over time. But I do think the Leafs did a good job of frustrating Matthew, too. He is still a Kachuk, and I do think he is another one that does want to punch his way out of things, too. I do. But, yeah, Brady's in even a worse spot. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Minnesota beats the L.A. Kings 5-3. Kaprizov with his second goal. So, I, again, my campaign for him to win the Calder is is alive and well. It's but right on track. Don't worry. We've been expecting this guy to show up and do something the last couple of years, and he's finally doing it. Joel Erickson Eck has five goals. Yeah. He listen, he's been a guy, I think he's been incrementally getting better. Excuse me. And I think the difference this year is he looks stronger. So maybe the COVID break, he was finally able to, you know, gain some more muscle. But now the way he goes to the net, I see when he's jamming the net, nobody can stop him. And he's already had good skills and a good stick, and he already had all those other things going for him. So I'm happy to see it. And I think just the development hit at the right time for him now. And now Garen really is looking smart because this remade Minnesota Wild team is pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, Great. Dallas beats Detroit 7-3. to And whenever okay. somebody beats Detroit, okay. um, you know, you have to – Tell you with a grain of salt because Detroit's not that good of a team, but you have to just look at the fact that Dallas has come out of the gates after that, you know, respite that you know unfortunate respite because of COVID, and they're playing great. And I, I think, uh, I think Joe Pavelski in the off season was traveling with Ponce de Leon looking for the fountain of youth because he's found it. I mean, he's got four goals in I think four games. It's he, it's he's crazy. crazy how playoff Pavelski. It's crazy how bad he was. For most of last season, yeah. and then he got, to, and then he got to the playoffs, and then he got to the playoffs, and it just lit a fire. It's crazy. I mean, but I'm happy for him because he is a great guy, and he is, a, you know, a terrific player, and they need him. I'll tell you though, after that game, Mike um, Tanner Boyle got really mad at the uh, at the Red Wings and threw down his hockey stick and said the team sucks. Oh. <laughs> um, so, oh, Thomas Boyle, you mean Thomas Boyle? No, no, wasn't Tanner Boyle from the Bad News Bears? Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, you, you, Russ's pop culture reference. Oh, come on. That was, oh, come on. That's an easy one. But they're the bad news bears. Next thing he's going to say, Ingle Puke. No, no, they're, they're, Ingle Puke is good. But they're the bad news bears, Detroit Red Wings. Let's be real. That's what they are. Uh, and Ty Delandria gets his first NHL goal and an assist, which, Ty Delandria is a really going to be one of those sneaky, really good players. I don't think he's a superstar, but I think he's going to be a really solid player. Okay, saving the best for last, the Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I, that axe ready, Mike. I, 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 I don't know how. <laughs> and they, you know, they may very well win the next game on Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada because you don't believe that. You can't. I, you can't. You can't contain Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl. And Dreisaitl had a couple goals, and and McDavid had a couple assists yesterday. And uh, uh, Edmonton got seven power plays, half of which were ridiculous, or four of them were ridiculous calls. 
But I keep saying this. It's Dreisaitl. It's McDavid. And there's nobody else who's doing anything. It's unbelievable. I mean, these honestly, people were doing like little memes yesterday, taking pictures of, of, of McDavid in a post-game press conference with the look with the same look on his face that he had in 2015 when he when he found out he was going to Edmonton. Again, this team is going friggin' nowhere. And I feel sorry for Connor McDavid. Where do you think Connor really wanted to go when the Edmonton Oilers drafted him? Come on, Michael. I think he wanted to go to Buffalo, actually. No, I don't. Think yeah, that. no, no. I mean, I know he was a Leaf fan, but I think you know maybe the maybe the whole pressure at that point. Remember, the Leafs hadn't drafted Matthews. They again. I wanted to get to the heart of this today because otherwise we're going to be going through the same conversation about what's going on, David and Edmonton. Let's get to the heart of it. And where do you think he wanted to go? If we're going to go that far back, I, th- I, mean, I, I don't think really. No, I don't know. Nobody knows in this circumstance. It's happy to be. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Yeah, no, but. Uh, <laughs> But no, I, I but I I feel sorry for Connor McDavid because he's such a great player and he is with an organization that clearly does not know what the hell to do. And you know, Ken Holland is a general manager who's had success, a lot of success. Um, but the moves right now, Tyson Berry looks like the Tyson Berry under Babcock. Um, he doesn't look like the Tyson Berry under Sheldon Keefe. Offensively, he really hasn't shown off much. Uh Kyle Turris I, I was invisible yesterday. Um, I mean, they're a minus 13 differential where Ottawa's a minus 19. We expect it from Ottawa. Yeah. No, actually, I think it's different than that. Hold on. I'm looking at advanced. And, and, and they're, I mean, right now they're being forced because of the injury to Mike Smith to play the worst or one of the worst number one goaltenders in the NHL every game. They can't put in Stuart Skinner. No, and Skinner's not. The question is this: is that even if you got other goaltenders, I wonder even how good their performance would be in front of that defense anyway. It's true. It would be great in the Ed scenario where the goaltender is just they are what they are, and the defense is what it is. Yeah, they're a minus seven differential. Their faceoffs are bad. Their goals for and against is embarrassing. It's the end of the world as we know it. I mean, they have a lot of goals, but they fact that they Mike feels fine. fine. <laughs> now, on the the shots for and against, even you, kind of amazing. They've had 285 shots for and 298 against. It's like, like most teams, if they had 285 shots, you'd be like, oh my god, this is a great team. No, I mean it's really it's. I mean, and I'm not, uh, you know. I do realize that there are. Uh, I mean, I think there are, I like Darnell Nurse. I like Yamamoto. I like Nugent Hopkins. It's, but it just seems that every game, it's you know, if Drysaitel and McDavid score three or four points, they have a chance to win. But that's not even guaranteed. They score three or four points, and they could still lose, and that's pathetic. And you know, with with, the, with that game last night, the Leafs got out to a two nothing lead. The referees gave. Edmonton a chance to get back in the game with a couple really chintzy calls. A five-on-three in the second period got Dreisaitl on the board. Then they tied it up in the in the third. Uh, Wayne Simmons scored his third goal in three games. Russ, there you go. I know. Um, and then uh, and then Edmonton tied it up, and Matthews on a ridiculous wrist shot uh, scores the game winner. I saw that one. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm just saying it's like you know the Leafs. Are Leafs, you know, they're seven and two. But I think, you know, you have to look at the fact that they've, you know, tomorrow they will have played Edmonton for the fourth time. I'm going to challenge Cam Young on this one. 
The worst home record right now in the NHL is the Edmonton Oilers at one and four. How is that even possible? Really, if you think about it, how is that even possible? They've got every comfort in that building except defense and goaltending. Yeah, and, and, you know, I don't know how many years they have to keep working on finding defense and goaltending, but – you know, it's just, it's just, it's just bizarre. I mean, you know, the uh, so that I mean, there'll be the rematch tomorrow night and watch off curse the Leafs because the Oilers will score like twelve goals on them. Um, now, Patrick Line apparently has been sequestered in Ottawa, waiting for his U.S. visa to be approved, and it was approved. The word is he's supposed to be cleared and it's supposed yeah. to be this after. He should be arriving in Columbus sometime this afternoon. Right. Now the question is now how long he's going to have to quarantine. Apparently he's had two negative tests. So, I mean, right now this, this whole thing seems to be breaking down the where, like, I mean, I saw an article in the athletic from Pierre Lebrun who was talking about how the 14 day quarantine could affect the trade deadline. And honestly, in a way, I have a feeling that for the Canadian teams, the trade deadline is going to be 14 days before the actual one. It could be. I mean, look, Sammy Vatanen hasn't even played for the devils yet. He had the same visa kind of issue. And I do wonder whether or not that's going to actually really constrict the, the trading market this year. I really do. If that's going to make, I think it's going to normally might make that you might make that little tweak move, and maybe you give it second. Depending on your situation, you give it second thought because again, if you move a player off and you have to wait for that other player to come in, you're dub. You're it's kind of it becomes a bit of a it becomes a double whammy in this era. Here's what I wonder. I think you could make like what what's happened in Major League Baseball in the past, and you'd be in the doubleheader, and you can make a trade. I could see teams make it a trade before a game starts because the guys are in the building. You can't tell me they're going to have to quarantine, and they could literally just. But then you're restricted to, but you're looking at them being restricted to trading in division. I know, but they're going to be sides, and, and think, unless the team is really out of it. Well, but can you? I could see it happening though. Were they just, I, I couldn't see it happening. It's just I, I, I. It depends on the teams and which right. who's making what moves and how far out the other team is. So. Right. Well, talk talk about teams being snake bit when it comes to you know injuries or COVID. New Jersey, oh. they lose Blackwood. They go out and they claim Aaron Dell on on waivers from the Leafs. They're, they're playing Wedgwood, and now Dell is got COVID. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. I it's mean it's really hard for them. They they've not had their right goaltending all year, going back to Crawford, and and they're actually not a bad team. They were actually decent. So I, I I feel bad for the Devils in that way. I don't feel bad for the actual Jersey Devil though. I like the fact that he shredded gritty in the shredder. That's fine, but at the end of the day, he's still the devil, and I don't like him. Okay, uh, we'll end with we'll end with this. Uh, you like the devil, Mike? The the jersey. I like the fact that he did shred gritty. That 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 is that is good. I mean, so I'll you know give him a pass because of that. Yes, yes. Um, okay, Richard has a fun question. What time? What team off to a slow start that you thought was good preseason is in real trouble? That's a good question. Um, Vancouver Canucks maybe, but yesterday sort of helped them. I'm still going to say the Canucks still could be in trouble because Holby played okay in that game. I thought I saw him make some good saves. I do still wonder about their defense a bit. I don't know if Vancouver's out of the woods yet. No. I mean, like I said, the the the, the Senators were the salve on the wound. So, I mean, you know, they, they, they don't play. Now, I know they're, they're traveling east now. And they they play Toronto next Thursday. 
Cam has put twice in the chat room that Line A is on his way to Columbus. Right. Hey, got it. But until he gets there, we're going to wait and see. Okay. Um, right now. Like I'm that package that's been in queue for like 10 days that you're waiting to get at home. I'm, look, I'm looking at the I'm – look, I'm looking at the – yeah, that's funny because uh, I ordered I ordered a, a, a mask uh, and, and uh, from uh, like Fanatics or one of those places. Right. And they, it's going to be sent to you, expected anywhere between February 5th and February 18th. <laughs> so, so it's like, gee, three weeks. Are you sending up my Pony Express, you mothers? Um, okay, no, just – Okay, the question here, Anthony, was a team that has started off slow, uh, which uh, team do you think is in real trouble or do you think that they can bounce back? I'll just put that addendum in there. I said Vancouver still. I'm still on Vancouver with that. I okay. Yeah, I, that would have, yeah exactly. I would, have, I would have said the Canucks. They just have to kind of tighten. The, again, for them, it's one of those true talent teams that there's definite – they're better than what they've played. Yeah, I look at okay. Just we'll go through this quickly. I look at the central, and the bottom three teams are Chicago, Carolina, and Detroit. Carolina has only played four games, and they're three right. and one. So that's the reason why they're at the bottom. Chicago is in deep trouble. Yeah. I mean, we knew that coming in though. Yeah, unless unless Kevin Lankinen is the second coming of Tim Thomas. And he's played well in four games. I mean, it's not Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban. It's Kevin Lankinen, who I didn't – I don't even know who the hell he was until he started playing. I didn't either. Yeah, so, I mean, if he if he continues to play good, then uh, then maybe they won't be as bad as I think. But without Taves and without Dotch, I don't think they're going to be good. In Detroit, we all expected Detroit to be bad. So, uh, in the East, the bottom two teams – the bottom three teams are the three New York area teams. Did anyone expect that? No. The Islanders, no. Uh, Definitely not with the Islanders. The Islanders, no. The Rangers. Rangers, yes. Yeah. Devils. Devils, yes. The Devils, Devils yes. Sure. Devils, I would have been genuinely surprised that they would have been higher up in the standings at this point of the year. There's still a lot of work to be done there. Especially, I mean, I'm not Lind, – Lindy's not one of those uh, immediate effect guys. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, they have to build the thing. They have to build things up over time, and the Rangers just don't know exactly what they are. Again, as I stated earlier, until you know, thing, again, in, interesting parts, as I said. But you yeah, know, they don't know. Less. They don't know. And the uh, Islanders are a little bit of a disappointment because they've been loose to start with. But I'm not about to write them yeah. off at any point. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, in the in the north. One, one interesting note here: the Vancouver Canucks have played the most games in the NHL. They played ten games. So they're five and five right now. So that's, I mean, they're way ahead of everybody in their division except Toronto. To play I will say this about at least the team that Russ and I cover. I do have some concerns for Philadelphia, despite again at five and two, the process hasn't been fantastic, has not been great defensively, and now they're yeah. about to get into a stretch of games here where we're really, they have to kind of survive those games, and then there's a chance I think, but again. What I mean by that is, it's just you got Boston coming up. You got several, you know, the Islanders as well, who they give, who's given them trouble historically. Right. And they have to tighten things up a lot here, or else they will be they'll be scratching and clawing just to try. Yeah, to there's no doubt. I mean, beating say beating the Sabers and the, and the and the Devils isn't that hard, and especially with the breaks that they've got, no Blackwood, all those things. Right. And yet, for two periods yesterday, it still was a struggle. So I think Anthony's right. You do have to look at it 
And where Boston, they do look like they're completely overmatched at times. So you don't really know where they are. That's yeah. the thing. In the, in the North, the, the team that's struggling right now, and they've only played six games, is Calgary. I mean, everybody expected Ottawa to be at the bottom. Um, I expected Edmonton to miss. Um, and uh, Calgary, I thought I had in the, in the top four, but you know, right now they're two, three, and one. And they yeah, lost. I thought they'd do better, but I'm not giving it up, giving up on Calgary yet. No, I'm not either. I mean, Valamaki looks good. I thought Markstrom has looked very athletic at times. I, you know, Goudreau is scoring. I think yeah. they're still finding themselves. They've they've played the least amount of games in the division, yeah. so I think they're still finding themselves too. Yeah, um, and, and the West. The West is breaking down. I think like everybody thought it was. Who's in the even though the separation isn't isn't there yet. The bottom four in the West are the three California teams and Arizona. Eureka! Like you didn't know that that was going to happen, and I don't think that's going to change. Even I mean, though I, I watched a fair amount of the um, San Jose a Avalanche game yesterday, and San Jose hung with them for a long time. Right. They did again. It's the Avalanche. I never expected them to win the game, but but you know Dubnik had a good game. I mean, he was thirty-five for thirty-eight. That was as good a game as I've seen him play, you know, since he's been there. And I think you know they could beat some of those teams. It's just it's the Avalanche, but they they were hanging in. I think it was zero-zero after the first. Yeah. Um, they were really hanging in there for a while. So again, I think the Sharks are a little better than we gave them credit for, but they still may end up in the same spot because. Considering where they were last season, they they, yeah. you, you, they they needed to make some level of progress. But yeah. but Anthony, everybody had Vegas, Colorado, and St. Louis in the top three, and the mm -hmm. question was who was the four, who was the fourth place team, and with Minnesota, with you know Kaprizov, with them getting good goaltending, with them playing, I think above expectations. Yeah, I, you're you're thinking that the west the, the western playoffs are almost you could almost call it at this point. Yeah, I mean, and and, I would agree with that. I, I would, I would agree with that. That it could be, um, could be that. I'll end with, it. I'll end with this one because Russ is. Actually, before you end it, I wanted to say one thing. I noticed, um, you know, for people that are going to sort of bash Tyson Jost for not having points, he was always a strong defensive player. I actually think that's the role he has taken on now with the Avalanche. I saw him making some great defensive plays. They don't need him for offense. They just don't. Okay, Funky's asking about. Colorado trading or uh, Anaheim trading John Gibson to Colorado. I don't think they'll do it now. Why? Okay. Why would Anaheim do it? He he's the best bang for the buck right now in the NHL in goaltending. He's making six point four million, and he's got another six years left in the contract. That's a bargain. Yeah. I mean, you know, Plus they need him when they have fans back. They have fans that will come, but not a ton. And if all of a sudden they don't believe there's any chance of that team winning ever, they're not going to get a big, big crowd. And so they need Gibson as a drawing card. They do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think he goes no. to the Cavs. No. no, no. And, and you know, it's not going to be Carey Price. Grubauer played good yesterday. Like, again, yeah. why? I know Mike rips on Grubauer. He may not be great, but we have to remember there have been not great goalies like Mike Vernon that win Stanley Cups. Right, and that that's true, but I do think after last and last year was an extreme situation with Grubauer getting hurt and Francis getting hurt. I think they at least need a goaltender that if Grubauer drops the ball, that that guy is 
quality enough to win playoff games. I just don't have any confidence in Grubauer and Francouz. I don't. I you have more confidence in Freddie Anderson than you do in Grubauer. Is that are you going to go there? Well, first of all, Freddie Anderson. Is, uh, Anthony's laughing. Just answer the question. You yes. don't need to look yes. Yes. I okay. do. All right. Okay. I just want to see where we're at here. On, on that note, when Corporal. Corporal Freddie Anderson at, at at Devil at Devil's Den at Gettysburg. This will be the area that Michael will die on. <laughs> so Fred Freddie is swinging the door like Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain. That's what he's doing. There uh, for Anthony Mangione, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Yes, Chris Osgood too. Okay, Randy, you happy? There you go. Thanks for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.